0: Greetings in Jesus' name, and I welcome each and every one of you to to this portion of the service here today. Um, It always does make me think about it on fellowship dinner days. I guess it's either a reminder that the preacher needs to stop so we can eat, or else everybody's thinking about eating, or else we just go on normal. But hopefully we can worship together here first, and then we will enjoy fellowship a little bit later. So this morning... I would like to continue with the prophet Jonah, and uh, last time I shared, I talked about the first two chapters of Jonah, and today I'd like to pick it up in chapter 3 and look at Jonah's life. As I mentioned the last time, um, it's not a new story, but I believe that by studying God's Word, we don't have to have new stories, new revelations because they're there for us to learn from. And I believe that if we honestly open up our lives for what God has for us, that we can be blessed it be encouraged, um, maybe even be convicted, or whatever God has for us uh, today. So that's my, my heart's goal and prayer. Um, as we noticed last time, the go, the God's call, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he turned around and ran the other way. Then God caused a a big storm and scared the sailors and uh, they eventually gave up trying to get out of the storm, threw him overboard, and along came the fish. And all that is ordained by God. That wasn't just a chance storm that came up. It wasn't a chance that a whale was swimming by and decided he needed lunch at that appropriate moment. I do not believe that one for one second. God had a distinct plan in there. I do believe that sometimes maybe Jonah thought he was a little bit smarter than God. He thought he could run and hide. You know, unfortunately in each one of our lives, sometimes we run. And I've often thought, well, Jonah was just awful dumb. Honestly, what did he think he could do? But when I study Jonah, sometimes I see a lot of Jonah in me. And it's pretty easy and it's pretty uh, great to serve God when everything's going well. You know when everything's how do you say wonderful and convenient it's great to come to church on Sunday and hear a good message see good friends have good fellowship go home and it's wonderful. But how about do we have the same idea and mindset when things get difficult? You know and that's what I last time I brought up and I'd like us to remember that as we move on into the last few chapters is Nineveh was Jonah's absolute dreaded place to go. See, God asked him to do something that he didn't want to do. And I do believe that that is where you might say the rubber hits the road. Because when it gets hard for us, or it is something that we don't enjoy, or it is something that we say we're not very good at, or it is something we are scared of, is honestly what determines how sincere we are with God. Each one of us are on a journey, a journey of life. And I can't sit here today and tell you exactly, sometimes for somebody, what is a mountain that I almost can't cross, is the idea of talking to lots of people, or doing something monstrous, for God, that that is something that is so completely removed that I I really can't even fathom doing it for God. The next person says I can handle that but don't ask me to come beside the local person in church every other week and ask them how they're doing because my schedule won't allow for that much intolerance of life. And God says no. I want you to come beside that person in church and put your arm around them and help them walk through life. And when they call, you you need to figure out how to organize your schedule so you can be that person for whoever that is. And I bring that up because I believe in our lives, God will ask each one of us to do something for him that maybe was out of our comfort zone. That maybe is a little trial of what we consider ourselves to be good at. Or it's something where we say, God, I I got so much to do and I'm already doing all this good stuff. Ask somebody else to help that person out. That person don't want help anyway, so why why would I have to waste my time? And I think them are all just excuses. And And I'm bringing that up again as we study the rest of Jonah because... I believe that God asks each of us to stretch ourselves. Whether it's the widow giving that last mite, or it's the person that says, yeah, yeah, I'll call you every week. I'll call you twice a week. We're going to walk life together. And it's not going to be a lot of fun, but I'm going to go out of my way to bless, be the person there for you, to bless you to care for you, to love you. It might be a meal. It might be, who knows? There's, there's, there's unlimited amount of opportunities in this world to serve somebody, to bless somebody, to encourage somebody. I don't know what God's asking you. And as I said, some people that comes naturally, and some people it doesn't. But I think we need to be tuned for what God has for us. Also, as we move on to this story, this is not just a bedtime story. Many of us heard it when we were very, very young. It was an amazing story. If I ask all the children here, they would probably have already heard about the big fish and then what happens. But it's actually a story of God's mercy, his love for humanity, and how far God will go to redeem and rescue the lost. It's about repentance and faith in these next two chapters. 2 verse 10, he says, The Lord spoke to the fish, and, and, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry ground. So God told the fish, All right, buddy, it's time to get rid of this guy. Here again, that's why this was not just a fish out swimming around that randomly Jonah got lucky with. But God had put him there for a purpose. So, at this point, I'm going to take the time to read... Jonah 3, the whole chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed to fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, any, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So here we have Jonah, the second time God says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And I don't know, I don't know, since God caused the storm, and God put a fish there to save Jonah, I don't know which one finally got to Jonah. If you ever think about the story of Jonah, you have to ask yourself, while you're sitting in the belly of a whale, and there's seaweed and everything else floating down there that is in the belly of a whale, at some point, Jonah had to realize that God meant business, I do believe. We kind of find this story a little amusing, but each one of us have had many chances. And if you're like me, you've failed quite a few times. And we sometimes say, well, Jonah knew exactly, how could he not, not do it? But so many times we know God prompts us to, to call somebody, to help somebody, and we don't do it. We're too busy. We'll do it next week. And I missed the very chance. But God is a God of chances. But anyway, through the process of either the storm, the fish, or something or other, this time Jonah decided he was going to go. Now Jonah went to a place he did not want to go, talked to people that he did not like, and God used him to make an impact on them. So think about that a little bit. He didn't want to go, he didn't like them, but he did go. So in verses... uh, Five through ten there. I'm gonna take them because now Jonah had went to Nineveh. And it says in verse five that from the greatest of the to the least of them they believed in God. I find two things interesting in this in in, uh, in verses five through ten is God gave them the mercy. That they did not deserve. It says that from the greatest to the least, they believed in God. And they repented. Even with this missionary who didn't want to be there. And we'll get into that in, in chapter 4. Because he didn't want to go there. He wanted them to be killed. That was Jonah's goal. I'll go do that. Hopefully they don't repent because these are just barbarians anyway. There is no chance that they'll find Jesus Christ and then you're going to clean off our biggest enemy right off the face of the earth. To God be the glory on that one, amen? Let's get rid of these boys. No, no, no. God's mercy is great enough for even the vilest offender. But I found it so intriguing. It says that they turned from their wicked ways, and they believed in God. Repentance. Repentance is the only way to deal with sin. If you want to change your life around, and if you have sin and evil in your life, the only way to change that sin is through repentance. Which is confession. Which is believing on Jesus Christ. And which is turning around and getting rid of that evil way and going in a positive direction for Jesus Christ. And it says they turn from their evil ways. See, we all sit here and say, that's an amazing. God had a ton of mercy. And he did. But all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. If you're sitting here today, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, hopefully, most of us have accepted that saving grace of Jesus Christ. But to be repentant is to be sorry with a change of heart, if I can put it down to little plain terms, and then make a direct U turn in your life. See, there's people today who want to be repentant, which means they want to be sorry and they want to be forgiven. They don't want to make the U-turn. See, stealing is a pretty easy way of life as long as you don't get caught. You don't really have to work too hard if you just load up cattle off somebody else's yard. If I'd load up a couple steers out of Keith's yard every so often, I can make a good living and we'd all be good. No. And so I could say, well, Keith, I'm really sorry I sold 12 cows last year, and I'm really sorry about that. And Keith says, well, okay, let's work something out. And I say, okay, yeah, but I'm coming back next year and doing the same thing. I wouldn't be repentant. We see, yeah, we know that. But how about the little things in our life? Repentance is turning around and changing our life. That's repentance. You can say, I'm sorry I didn't do this better. Well, I accept that apology. But what are you going to do different? And it says, Nineveh, they turned from their wicked ways. They confessed their sins and made their wrongs right and they turned their life around. What have you done? We cannot continue to wallow In our sinful state of mind. In our life. And just expect different results. Nineveh could have said, what's this dude doing here anyway? We don't have to listen to him. We're a bigger and stronger army than they are. We'll go wipe out Israel completely. That'll teach him. But no, it says they believed in God and they turned from their wicked ways. And each one of us have to reckon with that very thought. Are we going to find God's mercy and forgiveness in our life? Have you experienced repentance in your life? And I've been talking about the big repentance, the salvation issues. And I believe that is first and foremost. But sometimes there's little issues in our life. That we have to say, you know what, this isn't right. I must change this about it. Maybe it's not some overwhelming sin. But sin is sin. Maybe it's a small area where we're really not 100% sold out for Jesus Christ. We really don't have time to go to Nineveh. After all, somebody else has more time than I do. They're a better preacher than I am. Send him. No. What is your Nineveh? And do you really take the time? And are you going to turn from your ways, whatever they may be, so that you can do exactly what God is asking you to do in your life, whatever that may be, big, small, or in between. I'm going to move on to chapter 4, and I'm going to take the time to read chapter 4, and we'll look at that for a little bit here it's, it's, this morning. But it just and let me back up here, and it just says in verse 10 that they turned from their evil ways, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he was going to do. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prompted a plant and made it cover up, had made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for, for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned, the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged a plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a violent east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head, so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant. For which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which, which are more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. So in a nutshell, the fact that Nineveh repented displeased Jonah. He was flat ticked. said he became angry. One should have thought that maybe Jonah, after what he had just went through, should be fairly grateful. Do you really thought when they threw him off that boat in a violent storm he expected to see tomorrow? Doubt it. Living in the belly of a whale, at some point, would you really think you're going to get out of there alive? Probably not. So you would, have, you would have thought that he should have been happy to be alive and the fact that he came there and they believed and they repented should have given him some encouragement to keep on keeping on. But amazingly, it seems to be easier that 120,000 people that were wicked could do the will of God, but one believer couldn't get it through his head. That's an absolutely amazing stat to me. He went to this wicked city and said the whole city from the greatest to the least, 120,000 they name right here, at least got the message. But one believer was so concerned about himself and his own wishes and desires that he couldn't accept what God had done. Says he became angry. Good common sense seems to leave one's mind when you become angry. If anger is part of your life, and something that you deal with repeatedly. I'm afraid our life will be a little bit like Jonah. Say, I have no place to live. I Just take my life. Death is better than here. Because he was angry. He lost his good sense, if I can say it that way. And he also exposed his true self in his response. His response to God exactly, exactly proclaimed what was in his heart. He went to Nineveh. He did what God had said. I don't know if he was scared of another storm and another fish or what his issue was, but he did go to Nineveh and preach. But he could not get out of his own way and his own wants. And that is something I'd like us to think about here today. Instead, he went out and had a pity party. Because it did not go his way, and what he wanted, he went outside the city and had a pity party. Instead of setting up a discipleship program, instead of saying, this is amazing! Look what God has done! Let's teach one more thing. Let's, let's continue to, to teach. These guys were new, absolutely brand new believers. It says in verse 5, he went out of the city. And he sat there and saw So verse 8 says, better for me to die than to live. So I'd like us to think about that because sometimes in our life, we have a tendency to sulk. We have a tendency when something ain't quite perfect or normal or we don't like it the way it is, we sulk. Something else I'd like to think about is I found it very intriguing. It says he went out of the city and he sat down. I think most times in life when we cease to give to work to be part of God's plan for what God has for us when we see or we cease, excuse me, to be active for Jesus Christ the results end up being pretty much like Jonah's results here they do not turn out well at all in our life if we cease to work, if we cease to give, if we cease to be part of God's plan on this earth, a lot of times we turn into sulking, pity party, poor me people. It just amazes me, the correlation. You can see that busy person who's busy going and you're like, well, they've got to run out of energy at some point, but God gives them one more day. But when we cease to work and we cease to do what God has asked us to do and we sit by the city, we're a lot like Jonah. And unfortunately, a lot of times the results are the same. Our life turns into even bigger, bigger misery. Verses 10 and 11 He had more pity for a plant than he did for the whole city. Of Nineveh Now surely we're not that far. God sent that plant to give him some shade and then that worm to destroy it, and he was ticked. And he says, "God what what? God says, "You didn't even make that thing grow. Why are you complaining? But Jonah cared more for himself than he did for an entire wicked city. It is fairly easy for us to be more sensitive of our needs and wants than the spiritual needs of those people around us. When we make our decisions for life, do we think about our neighbor, about our fellow brother, our fellow sister in Christ? Do we think about our community? Do we think about those that need some help when we make our decisions in life or what consumes you? We get really hard, or I have got really hard on Jonah. So God saved you from the storm and the, and the fish. You finally did what he asked you to do. They repented, and then you sulk. Wow. So God puts a plant there to help you out, and then you still, so as you're sulking, God destroys that plant that he gave you. And now you're flat ticked. You deserve that plant. But I do have a question for you. If God sent a worm to come destroy the plant in your life every time your attitude reflected Jonah's, when things didn't go your way, when things didn't line up with what your plan was, And God sent a worm to destroy the plant that he gave you. How many plants would you have in your garden? How many plants, if I can use that analogy, would you have if God sent a worm every time your attitude stunk? Are we just doing life? Are we just here? It's the right thing to do to go to church. It's the right thing to do to live, to give some money to the offering. And exist. If God sent a worm. For every time we had a bad attitude. Or we were not willing to help. We were so selfish that we did not want to help a brother or sister out. What would our garden look like? Would our plants be withered? Or would we have actual plants? Because of our attitude. when spiritual work comes our way, when God asks us to do something for somebody, when God asks us to do something somewhere, do we dig in or do we hope that it goes away and somebody who's more qualified takes over? If we are sincere, it will show in our actions. found these couple quotes by Ernie Arnold. All of this should cause us to take a pause and examine our own hearts and attitudes. At, time, at times, do we possess more of a Jonah attitude than we would like to admit. Deep down, do we believe at times that certain people are not worth our time or effort? Is that why we are quiet and don't go out of our way to share with them the message of salvation? We don't, need, we don't need to spend our time, resources, and efforts on, on them when we can just as easily spend the, all of our energy on people we do like. Do we want to grow and reach out, but only when it's easy and advantageous to us? We don't need to get our hands dirty by reaching out to certain people groups. We will merely hope that God will send someone else to them that is better equipped or that has more resources than we feel we have at that moment. I believe all of us fall in these traps sometimes in our life. We can fall in quite easily actually into these traps. We do so at times when we are given the opportunity to invite people and we choose not to or to share the Bible with them and we choose not to as well. We do so at times when we do not promote God's house as a place of prayer, fellowship, and worship. We do so at times when we keep a tight hold on what should be God's money, but in reality, we see it as our money. How close is our attitude reflected to Jonah's? Let each one of you be the judge in your own life. May God bless you.